Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say... Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are continuing our opponent preview series. We kind of got off track a little bit, but we are blasting through the rest of them, through the rest of the summer before college football starts for the Jayhawks. Um, up next is the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and joining me to talk about them is my good friend, Philip Slavin, from the 1012 Podcast, the flagship podcast here on the 1012 Podcast Network. Philip, how you doing today? Andy, how many of these do you have left? Uh, too many. So, yeah, I've got, uh, I think this is number seven. So I've got five left after this. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Sir, it's August 11th. Uh, I know. That's why I said we're blasting through. I'm planning on doing two a week until we get to the uh, beginning of the season. So that, that should do it. That should get it done. Exactly. Uh, the, the season, the summer went by faster than I thought it would. It really did. As far as like, in, in relation to college football and, and the show and the podcasting and, and all of that. Well, and stuff. it's funny too, because you know, like last year felt like it flew because of all the realignment stuff that was happening. And there wasn't really a lot of realignment things happening this year until the huge flurry that we got in the last like week and a half. So, um, yeah, it wasn't really kind of the thing to talk about that like, like it was last year. So, but you know, speaking of realignment, I mean, we have a ton of new uh, new uh, teams coming to the Big 12, both this year and next year. But the Oklahoma State Cowboys are a good old friend that has been in the po- in the conference with us for a very, very long time. So it does feel, though, almost like this Oklahoma State Cowboy team is like a brand new one that just came to the conference because I have no idea what has happened with this team. Like, there are so many different changes. Um, you know, Spencer Sanders obviously no longer with the team and a bunch of other position players have changed what is like the the feeling around the Oklahoma State program right now in terms of like do you even know who half the players on the roster are here's here's what I know and I don't know much um but from what I have gathered both from listening to feels like 45 the network the Tintel Network's Oklahoma State podcast and, and what I can read there is some buzz now I never know how to take camp buzz in the fall, right? Because 
everyone's excited. People are speaking highly. Like so far, players seem to really like Brian Nardo, the new defensive coordinator. That's awesome. They're buying in. You're changing your defense and bringing in a, a, a D2 defensive coordinator to be your defensive coordinator. Uh, you're shifting from the 425 you had used from uh, under uh, Derek Mason and Jim Knowles and switching to a 335. Um, you've, you've got an offense uh, that is making some changes in the way things are done. The Cowboy back is finally gone, much to the uh, excitement and joy of Oklahoma State fans. No more Cowboy back. And now you have tight end and fullback. Um, I think OSU fans are probably going to expect more out of the tight end than they're actually going to see from a receiving standpoint. You lost basically all your top receivers except for one. Um, and you are going to have under center a quarterback who hasn't played real college football minutes in like three different, in like three years. You know, Bowman, you have an offensive line that I don't trust. And I, I, they are the healthiest they have been at this point in a, in a preseason in a long time that feels like they are legitimately eight deep with guys that they feel like they could actually start, which is not how it's felt like it's gone into each season. I'll believe that that will last and work out and that they'll know who the best five are uh, when I actually see it because I don't trust them to figure that out. So I am very torn between how I feel based off the last few years about certain things and matching that with the inexperience of defensive coordinator, uh, shifting the offense and an offense coordinator who's fine. Um, a quarterback who, when he did start at Texas Tech, can't get healthy or couldn't stay healthy, and a whole lot of new faces. I would say this. If it wasn't for Cincinnati being a new team in the conference and having an entirely new coaching staff and no one can tell you who the starting five on the offensive line or the starting five wide receivers or anything are, we're all guessing. If it wasn't for Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, to me, would be the biggest mystery team in the Big 12 this season. Okay. Because everyone else feels like they have some things set. And OSU, I don't know. So what you're saying is it's not just me. <laughs> like No, it, and it's really takes some paying attention and reading and listening, and, and it feels like certain things are coming set. It does feel like the offensive line has their guys that they'll start the season with. But they've started the season with their five guys the last few years, and that's not been the best five guys, and it's taken them three to four games to figure that out. So I just like I don't, I don't trust the offensive line because they haven't given me any reason the last few years to trust them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those, I, I typically try to, you know, do a little bit of research on the teams and kind of see what I can find to, to familiarize myself at least somewhat. There was like nothing Oklahoma State wise. Like everything was speculation of, oh, well, we think this guy might be doing well. Or, you know, there's this, this guy that is playing really, really well in camp. And, you know, as my co host, uh, for, for basketball episodes and KU centric episodes talked about, it's like, you know, the news coming out of camp is you can get just as much of it as, you know, a three-game preseason stretch of games down in Puerto Rico for the Kansas basketball team that just happened. Like, you saw a lot of things you really, really liked, but how does that translate into games? How does that translate into real competitions where people are actually trying to win because it affects your the outcome of your season? So I will be um, highly surprised if everything that we're hearing, you know, is com- that that's coming out is going to to actually happen. Um, Like you said, you know, Kansas last year thought they had eight or nine different offensive linemen that they could rotate in and out. Um, They had five starters who played basically the entire year. Um, You know, they, they had a a couple guys that could rotate in and out as needed, but it was like they had six players that got significant steps, even though 
all we heard from the offensive line coaches were how interchangeable these guys were, how they could do so many different things, and um, you know how they could create all these different looks. There is no team that I'm aware of that tries to run with seven or eight offensive linemen and build packages for those guys because you need to have them as consistent as possible so that the quarterback and everybody else knows what they're looking at. So, um, I, I, I don't want to spend more time on the offensive. No, line. no, no, you're fine. Um, like last year, they were beat up, they were injured, and it just got worse throughout the season. I think this is the deepest the offensive line has been going into the year in a while. Um, I think they have some guys like Jake Springfield, um, Dalton Cooper, who came in from Texas State, uh, Joel McCallski, like Preston Wilson. I think they have some guys where I, I feel somewhat confident. I don't trust the coaching staff to adequately figure out how best to handle the offensive line because they have not shown me they can until about game four the last few years. So uh, this is the most, and I can't, don't, don't equate me to all OSU fans, although I don't think I'm too far off. This is the most pessimistic I've been heading into a season. And I, and I don't even feel like I'm that pessimistic. I'm just, I just don't know how to feel. I don't have enough to make me confident to feel good. There's enough history on my side to say they should have a bounce back because they, they, you, OSU did not get enough credit for how injured that team was in the back half of the season. Oh, seriously? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's a reason they lost to West Virginia to close out the regular season. There's a reason they got absolutely pants by Kansas State. There's a reason they went on the road to Kansas and got played terribly. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was. That I thoroughly team, enjoyed it, but there was a very good reason why it happened. Well, but like <laughs> that team was injured, and I'm I'm not trying to like make excuses. There are a lot of other issues in that locker room, which is why you saw the mass exodus that you saw, and and so many faces that you kind of knew leave. Like the the hope at this point for me is that at worst this is a transition year as you prepare for 2024, as you bring in a new defensive coordinator change over a lot of the guys on the roster and kind of get some things figured out. Like there are guys on this roster. I am very excited about, especially on, on defense. Like I think the offense will be fine as long as Alan Bowman stays healthy. We've never seen Alan Bowman stay healthy for a whole season when he was at Texas tech. Um, so I'll believe that when I see it now, as far as Alan Bowman goes, it was a, I was very big. Like that's the best you could do out of the portal. A guy who hadn't started when he was spent two years at Michigan and then shout out to Pat Forty for the interview that he did with Alan Bowman and the article he wrote about Oklahoma State's offense. And he had a little really good insight about that. And the thing that, that, that he explained was this. And the thing that I, we've learned more about is this, is that the change to Oklahoma State's offense, because OSU's always run the Mike Gundy offense, been the same one since, you know, 2015, 16, 17, Indiana, is a, essentially a mashup between Texas Tech, what Texas Tech has typically always run, and what Michigan runs. Which is a weird two things to combine into yeah, one. Yeah, how do those combine? <laughs> like, but that's that's the idea. That's the way it's being described. And so if you're going into the portal to find a stopgap quarterback for a year, it makes a lot of sense to bring in a guy in Alan Bowman who understands the Texas Tech offense really well and understands the Michigan offense really well. Part of why he's at OSU is because one of his like quarterback coach at Michigan was like, hey, you need to contact Oklahoma State. Hey, Oklahoma State, you need to contact Alan Bowman. Because Alan Bowman was in Waco for an official visit and very likely would be a Baylor Bear right now 
Had OSU not reached out, he went to Stillwater like that night and the next, and then two days later, he was an Oklahoma State commit. Um, so my big thing with Bowman is like, he understands this offense, I think. And that is a positive. Um, we, we've seen his potential in the past. It's been a few years, but we've seen it. If he can stay healthy, I think the offense will be fine. Because I think even with all they lost at receiver, the depth there is very good. I trust Oklahoma State when it comes to receiver. Brennan Presley is awesome. Uh, Dejon Stribling, who they brought in from Washington State, I think is going to be great. Jaden Bray should be healthy. Uh, Blaine Green, Rashad Owens, uh, Leon Johnson they brought in, Taylor Shetron. Obviously not Arlen Bruce because he bet on Iowa games, including betting. <laughs> he, bet, he bet the under on his own team. If your own player bets the under when you're in a game that he's involved in, you should be fired as an offensive coordinator. Agreed. Like that's, <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous, but you're right. That like, that is, I think the big question for me, right. When I look at this Oklahoma state team and, and I'm, I'm guessing that that's why, you know, you go to the preseason media poll and they got one first place vote because I guess that person really believes in Alan Bowman and what he can do at Oklahoma state. No, um, I can tell you why. Okay. So that was Ari Temkin who okay. was on big 12 radio. He right. came on the 10, 12 podcast so that I could ask him, why did you pick Oklahoma State? And his argument was less about Oklahoma State and more about, as we've talked about this, the Big 12 is so unpredictable. And whoever you think is going to finish first and second are not going to finish first and second. It's going to be somebody else. And so basically his argument was, I went looking for a team that was somewhat of a mystery that I thought had some of the pieces that could potentially pull off a TCU last year a Baylor the year before, like could be that surprise team who makes the run. Because think about it. We have talked about this. Somebody new has made the big 12 championship game since it came back in 2017. And so his entire angle was less about Oklahoma state and more about picking a team to come out of nowhere. Like we saw TCU do last year can and, and Baylor do the year before and so on and so forth, because the teams who make the championship game outs take away Oklahoma have all been picked like fourth, fifth, sixth, six, seven, fourth, fifth, six, seven, eight in the preseason polls. So what you're saying is we can all look forward to an Oklahoma State versus Kansas Big Twelve title game. I mean, <laughs> I pick I, Texas should be there, but oh, I know they should uh, be. But you know, I will I will start believing in Texas actually living up to expectations when they start living up to expectations, which is not going to happen for quite a while, I don't think so. Um, but regardless, they won't be our problem anymore after this year in terms of trying to figure out where they're going to finish or if they're going to hold up their, their, uh, end of the bargain. So it doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. That's exactly. All right. So, so, I mean, yeah, looking at this Oklahoma state team, cause you're right. Like this is the team that I think is, it's weird because it feels like the way that Alan Bowman's come in and the way you're talking about the offense, that this is going to be a team that lives or dies by how well their quarterback plays. Right, like lives or dies by how well he's able to run the system. Um, even more so, like you know, a team like Kansas, right, that has Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean. You bring in Jason Bean; he's a you know a lower ceiling than what Jalen Daniels is, but he can run the system. They have other guys that can be successful, even if Daniels is not on the field. I'm not sure that Oklahoma State has a backup quarterback that could step in and perform the level that Alan Bowman is capable if he gets injured, and so. You know, last year, I don't think there was a single team in the Big 12 last year that finished the season with the same quarterback starting all 12 games. At, at this point, I would peg Garrett Rangel, who started a few games for OSU last year, 
um, as your backup. And and Buzz he is he made well. some. He, with the Buzz and look, he was a true freshman that got oh I know <laughs> thrust into it, and that was because Gunnar Gundy got hurt, and Gunnar Gundy was just not effective at all. And Rangel played like a true freshman um, who was still learning the system and hadn't had the reps and the opportunity to 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 have the time to be the the QB one. Um, and so, like he looked like a true freshman and. He did a few things in some games that kind of made you go, okay, there could be something there. And the buzz out of camp is that he looks significantly better. Um, and not just like, like he looks better. Cause when you say like someone looks better, I'm always like, well, that doesn't like, that's, that, 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 that's not descriptive enough to tell me how much better, but it does sound like he is looking a lot better. And that would make sense for him to make a decent jump from freshman to, to, you would to hope sophomore year. So, as far as freshman backup goes, yeah, there's concern because you have Garrett Ringel, Gunnar Gundy, um, true freshman is Dave Flores. Those are your those are your backups at this point. So, yes, Alan Bowman needs to stay healthy. I, I, I wouldn't put money on him doing that because we've never seen that happen for a full season in which he actually was the starter. And so we will probably have a, a chance to see what Rangel looks like. And and I mean, I'm sure we'll see him some against. UCA in the opener, but I mean, yeah, it's a, it, again, it's a concern. It's, it, it, can the offensive line stay healthy enough and play well enough to, to help Bowen? The other thing is, is it's not just about quarterback play. Like Oklahoma state did, could not run the ball efficiently last year. Like just did not have a run game. And that's part of why, what happened to Spencer Sanders and why he got as beat up as he did was OSU could not run the ball efficiently at all. It was a huge problem. So and so what what you, you got injuries and injuries. <laughs> well, and so I, 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 they have the depth at the running back position this year gives me hope because they finally went to Ollie Gordon late in the year and he looked fantastic. Like everyone thought he would, uh, Jaden Nixon might actually end up being the starter. Um, he's going to be healthy. There's a lot of excitement about Jaden Nixon. So there's the one, two I really, really like. And then you brought in Michigan State transfer Elijah Collins that some people are kind of like, well, we'll, we'll kind of see. He didn't play a lot of Michigan State. But between Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon, there's your thunder and lightning. There's your there's your ground and pound and your break a big play. And then Elijah Collins, I think, is your RB3. Even when they say running back by committee, Gundy has said that numerous times. during. He said that in 2021, and I call out BS. Because every year Oklahoma State has had – a truly successful season they've had a workhorse back osu does not have running back by committee they have workhorse backs so one of two things is true either they haven't figured out who the best guy is which is why they said in 2021 until they figured out with jalen warren who was awesome once they gave him the ball and i think that might be it and i think it's a little bit of we don't want anybody to transfer we don't want anybody to leave we do need the depth we're not sure who the best guy here is we'll figure that out if you want to know how i feel about the running back coach and the offensive line coach at oklahoma state <laughs> oh boy. No, I mean, you know, that, that is kind of the observation that I had from last year was that they relied so much on the quarterback. And, and it is one of those things where I don't know, looking from the outside, I don't know that I can tell that it has really changed. So I think that's really going to be a big point, assuming that it has changed, like assuming that they're able to kind of get stuff to put together. Like, who, We're going to have to see it. Right. We're going to have to see it. Who are the guys that that Oklahoma State is counting on to have a breakout year this year to help them, you know, have a better season overall than they ended up with last year? Well, I mean, it, it's going to start to me. 
what's going to start to me at running back and, and can Ollie Gordon and Jerry Nixon, one of those two be the workhorse that Oklahoma state needs. Um, <clears throat> will they split time more? We'll see. Typically OSU has a hot hand they go to, and then they have a, a an RB two who gets the rest of the carriers and then they sprinkle in guys here and there, but typically it's an RB one and an RB two. Who's going to be one. Who's going to be two um, at receiver. Again, you replace, replace basically everybody that mattered except for Brennan Presley. Um, can Blaine Green step up? I, I am very excited about Dazon Stribling. He was Washington State's leading receiver last year. He has come over. Now, he didn't put up staggering numbers at Washington State, but he was their leading receiver. I think he's going to have a breakout year at Oklahoma State. Um, and, and look, I was high on Jaden Bray last year, and Jaden Bray was injured and didn't get to play. So I'm carrying that over to this year. If there is one guy who I think has the most just like going to be a guy who irritates everyone because he's going to be so good at receiver, it's Jaden Bray. I need to see if he can be healthy and, and, and hit that this year because the two years ago, the promise, the potential, what you saw, the flashes from him. I always go back to uh, media days a few years back. Um, James, it was like after James Washington's breakout season, everyone's like, how did you know? When did you know about? Oh, no, no. Um, uh, it was uh, Tylen Wallace. Sorry. When did you know about Tylen Wallace? It's like, well, we 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 didn't have a lot of opportunities for him, but when we would get him on the field, he did stuff that wowed us. And so we just knew we were going to be good once he got the opportunity. James Washington left, telling Wallace to go over to the RB, uh, the wide receiver one, and that was it. Jaden Bray has done did those things two years ago in key moments, in few moments, as a freshman. He was injured all last year. I think Jaden Bray is a guy I'm still very, very excited about. And he's going under the radar because he missed all of la- most of the last season because he was injured. So Jaden Bray to me, I think Ollie Gordon's. I think Ollie Gordon's isn't going to be the the guy who makes the big splash play at running back for Oklahoma State. And I think Jaden Bray's the guy wide receiver. I'm keeping an eye on. Awesome. All right. Well, I do want to switch over to the other side of the ball, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. I am here with Philip Slavin, the host of the 1012 Podcast Network, or the 1012 Podcast, the flagship show here on the network. And uh, we are talking about Oklahoma State. Um, just got done talking about offense and kind of all of the uh, initial hubbub going into the year and kind of what we think about all uh, about this team and, and how they're going to do 
or I should say how much we how little we know about how they're going to do. But let's take a look at the defense. Defense is typically like the thing that you think of when you think of a Mike Gundy team, right? You think of a team that has <laughs> well, like you, it's either really you good or really bad. It's either bend no break or it's 2021 and you have a top 5 defense, which is ridiculous. Like Right, it's either really really good or it's really really bad. 2011, you lead the nation in, in turnovers. Last year, uh, 2021, you have the best non-blue blood defense we've seen in, in years, the top five defense in the country. Um, they've had good defenses before. They had a good defense in 2013. That's why they had the weird season that they did. Um, or it's tor- it's terrible. Um, I'm the, the defense is going to take some time. Um, I am I am less concerned about the offense, shockingly, than I am the defense. And that is a couple of things. One, all your position coaches come back. And I think Oklahoma State's uh, safeties and cornerback coach are two of the most underrated coaches in the country, let alone the big call. Um, I'm not super worried about the DBs. I don't worry about corner. Uh, Corey Black, as, as has been mentioned, um, Robert Allen – People know that name. Corey Black at corner is one of the guys who has reportedly had teams coming offering him big bucks to leave. Um, and he stuck around. Um, he 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 had some absolute great moments. And look, OSU has typically had a shutdown corner. Has had one guy who is a shutdown corner that nobody wants to throw to and ends up on second team Big 12 because he doesn't get enough because right. he doesn't get enough turnovers and he's underappreciated. Um, I that that's Corey Black. Um Cam Smith should be opposite him. I'm very excited to see how they do, and I, and I like the depth behind them. At safety, I mean, Kendall Daniels is preseason first team. Kendall Daniels is an absolute stud. Kendall Daniels is going to have his name called left, right, sideways, all over the place for Oklahoma State at safety. Um, and I, I like – there's no one as good as Kendall Daniels, but I really like the depth at safety. I think they've recruited the defensive backfield really, really well at Oklahoma State, but because they have five guys, you have to, and I, I feel good about the depth there. Um Colin Oliver, who was a defensive end the last year, has played has played exceptionally well the last two seasons. Has moved to linebacker now that you've gone from a four two five to a three three five. I mean, for him, he's got just he's going to be a lot of that's a lot of pass rush. It's still a lot of pass rushing. Like he's still going to be rushing the passer a lot. Um, you bring back Xavier Benson. Expectations he should take a leap forward in his second season after transferring from JUCO. Um, you lost the guy who went to USC, whose name I've now forgotten. That's okay. He got. He got lured away. Uh, he was supposed to go to A and M, and then USC. So. Well, he was supposed to go to A and M, and then USC outbid A and M, and so he went to USC. This stuff happens, folks. Um, you bring in Justin Wright from Tulsa, and there's a lot of good buzz about him. Uh, linebacker going from needing two to start to three, I think they'll be okay. But I, I do. I am curious behind those three: Jeff Robertson, Nicholas Martin, Donovan Stevens. Like we're going to have to see some guys kind of develop, and it's going to take them some time. Defensive line is where I'm going to shout out Dustin Ragusa and Cade Webb here. It feels like 45 again because they made a point I think is very good. This was a perfect season to switch to a 3-3-5 because after a couple seasons of having a really good defensive line for Oklahoma State, and the depth is not what it has been. Um. It's one of the reasons they went and got Justin Kirkland from Tulsa. Uh, that was a that was a guy that OSU highly highly targeted as soon as they, they knew about him before he entered the portal. As soon as he did, OSU was on him and was not going to let him go anywhere. Um, 
I am I'm very interested in how he looks. At defensive end, Anthony Goodloe, Cody Walterscheid, Nathan Latou, Deshaun Brown. Like I just like defensive line, maybe Colin Clay. Like there's defensive line is going to be the biggest weakness and concern to me as far as the defense goes is going to take some time. And if somebody goes down a little bit worried, I'm not worried about the backfield. I am, I, 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 but this is a defense. Again, you're changing defensive schemes. You've got a new defensive coordinator. If things are going to work, it should be better by the end of the season than it is at the start. I think the offense will be ahead of the defense. The defense is going to take time. I think there's enough talent here and guys that are going to get better. I, again, I I have not had issues with the defensive coaching staff at Oklahoma State for a long time, and they've had the same guys on the defensive coaching staff for a long time. They, they identify good players. They develop good players. They will get them there. It's going to take some time this year. That makes sense. Um, you know, that is kind of – it is going to be extremely weird because I've, I'm, you know, been used to – very strong defensive lines being the anchor for the defense for Oklahoma state. Um, You've had the same players for, no, like, I, I know that's fair, but still like I have but, but nightmares about yeah. how much Oklahoma state's defensive line just completely shredded Kansas. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that's not going to be the case anymore. I will say <laughs> there is, um, there's definitely a big transition period going from a four, three to a, you know, three, four, or, you know, three, three, five. Um, so I will be interested to see how the defensive backs are able to handle because it's going to require a lot of different. Like Kansas got lucky in that they got Craig Young, right? A guy that can play. He's listed as a linebacker on the roster, but he played so many snaps at the cornerback position last year that he was graded by PFF as a cornerback, not a linebacker. He also played in the as, as a safety. He was the second like leading sack play. Are you? Know, he he had the second most sacks on the entire team. Like it takes a very special guy to be able to step up and take those types of roles. If you're running five defensive backs. So I'll be interested to see who Oklahoma state has that can kind of fill that role. Um, because a lot of teams that pull that one extra guy off the line have potentially problems with trying to, you know, be as strong against the rush. And we all know how many good rushing teams there are in, in the big 12. I'll say this. Um, Oklahoma state's base package is going to be a three, three, five. Under Derek Mason and um, Jim Knowles. Yes, it was a 4-2-5. But they, OSU, part of the defensive scheme was to keep the offense on their toes. You saw all sorts of things all the time. I think the biggest difference for OSU this year compared to the last few years, they may not throw as much random stuff. It may be more, you're going to see the 3-3-5 on more plays than you're going to see Coming out of a four-man front, it's coming out of a three-man front. This guy's a defensive end now. He's a lot now. He's coming out of so the. It'll be a lot more field. base now, as opposed to. I, I that is my expectation. They'll throw, throw still throw some different looks. I think there's going to be more base formation. Colin Oliver played defensive end slash linebacker last year. Moving him back to linebackers, I don't think going to be as big of a that that big of a deal. Um, I, linebacker is going to be something, and and they were not good against the run at, in the defensive backfield last year. Especially not linebacker. They they struggled there. But that happens when you have the same starting linebackers for like three years and nothing gets past Malcolm Rodriguez. And now he's starting for Detroit Lions because he's a freaking stud. Uh oh, Malcolm Rodriguez. Um <laughs> like I I I 
I, there are going to be guys on this team between Colin Oliver, Kendall Daniels, and Corey Black. There's three studs on this defense, hands down. Let me just say it. And I think Justin Kirkland's going to be one by the time the season is over as well. It's do they have enough other guys to step up and and fill in the rest of the spots for this defense to, frankly, look better than it did last year because last year was a big step back. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and take a look at the schedule for the for the Cowboys this year. Um, Absolutely. Obviously, it's a it's a completely different experience not having the round robin. Um, you guys get to play brand new member of the Big Twelve starting next year in Arizona State uh, in the non conference. Which should Correct. be a whole we'll get a big twelve preview. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so I guess from that like first half of the schedule, or I guess Kansas is actually in the first half of the schedule. I think for us it's not, but anyway, um, you know, from that first half of the schedule, which of those games are you the most worried about, and which ones do you, which one do you think is going to be the most entertaining? Um, so first of all, shout out to our good friend Kelly Ford, uh, who came on the show back in in May. And going through everything, and this is held for the summer. Hey, Kelly had Oklahoma State as the easiest schedule in the Big 12. Um, I would argue Oklahoma's is easier overall. But Oklahoma has Texas, so it's not. Like, Oklahoma State has, if not the easiest schedule, period, one of the three easiest schedules in the conference this year. Because you look at non-conference, you get Central Arkansas at Arizona State with new head coach. Central Arkansas, new head coach. And South Alabama, I can argue, and I keep making this point, I think South Alabama is the most difficult non-conference game on Oklahoma State's schedule. And because I, A, I do think South Alabama, (laughs) well, part of it is South Alabama was good last year. I think they won 10 games. Like, I do think this will be a good South Alabama team in the Sun Belt. That's that's still the best non-conference game on Oklahoma State's schedule. If they don't go three, you know, there's a major problem. You open conference play against Iowa State, so now you're four and oh. <laughs> our our good friends over at Wide so. Right Natty Light may not uh, may not uh, like that, but honestly, it's kind of the truth uh, at this point. <laughs> folks, like you, you have five players who started on games last year who are not going to be playing this year. Maybe yeah. Um, you get a week off, and then you get Kansas State at home on a Friday, and then a long week to prepare for Kansas at home. Like I, OSU should start four zero. I'm just like I know Iowa State and Iowa is in Ames. Like Oklahoma State should start four zero. If you don't, there are major issues. Let's say they split Kansas State and Kansas. Um, I'm still high on Kansas State. It won't look like it did last year in Manhattan. Um, I don't think this Oklahoma State team in in Stillwater won't look like it did against Kansas last year either. Um, so, like. Okay, so, five and so one early is, loss five and, for Kansas State and you know good road win for Kansas. Got it. Five and four, five and one should be a realistic unless this team is got major problems that we just don't know. Where Alan Bowman gets hurt and Rangel's still just not ready to be. It's just not the guy. Um, like this team should start four and two at worst, five and one realistically. Like I just, I, I, and it's not a shot at Kansas State or Kansas. Like I just. That's just with that start of four games. Well, right. But then also at home for those two games, like, yes, after a week off, so you're going to take a week off after the first four and then get Kansas state on a Friday. And then in a little bit extra time before you play Kansas. And and I think is Kansas idle week before the OSU game. 
Is that right? I believe so, but let me double check. I believe that's accurate. So Kansas will also have the advantage of having a week off before they come to Stillwater. Uh, no, no, sorry. They they host UCF the week before. They have the out of week off after Oklahoma State. Okay, so I think Kansas State also has their out of week the same week OSU does. So both teams will have plenty of time to prepare for a Friday night game. Um, like OSU four and two at the worst. And if they again, I'll just if it's not four and two, there's major problems with this, this team. Um, so let's say five and one. Let's split the difference there. Then you look at the back half for Oklahoma State. Just mark OU as a loss. Just, just how I operate. Let me remind you, Oklahoma State is one of two teams in the Big 12 who faces all four newcomers. Yeah. OSU faces all four in the back half of the schedule. If you want to face a team joining a, pa- big, uh, a Power 5 conference where they're not going to have the depth of all the other teams, and I, they have had transfer portal helps make that a lot easier than it used to be, They've had two years to prepare to be able to recruit to this. They will be more prepared to join the Big 12 than West Virginia and TCU were when they did back in 2011. I will say that. But these are four teams who do not have Power 5 depth. Agreed. OSU gets all four in the back half of the schedule. Now, I hate that there's only one team from Texas and Houston. It's not right. But you, you get West Virginia on the road in October. Is Neil Brown still the head coach? At that Maybe point, not. yeah, like they might start one and four. So you get West Virginia in Morgantown. So your road game so far, Arizona State, new head coach, Iowa State, <laughs> West Virginia might not have a head coach. Your only other road game, your two other road games are UCF. That's going to be a tough game. And it comes after Bedlam and Houston. You also get Cincinnati at home, new head coach, new coaching staff, giant mystery. BYU at home to end the season. Like, if you told me this team somehow went six and six with this schedule, I'd be like a little upset and say, "Yeah, that's not good." Like OSU, like OSU is to me. I just I don't know enough about this team to say there's a very good chance that Oklahoma State has a way better record, and this is why I'm okay with what Ari picked of having OSU the first. There's a very good chance OSU has a better record than they are at 18. Because tell me that's not a from the preseason looking without knowing everything we're going to know by the end of the season that that is not a fairly easy schedule. When oh yeah, no. Tw- when your road games are Arizona State with a new coaching staff. I, Iowa State, with all the suspensions that they're dealing with and all the new stuff they're going through, West Virginia, whose head coach may not be there anymore. Houston, like, where Holgerson's fighting game. for his life. Like your your best, yeah. your hardest road game is at UCF in Orlando, which won't be easy by any stretch. But no, like I, I would actually put, I would, I will go ahead and put that as an L. Even like, I think UCF's got the most talented roster and enough depth to be able to handle that situation. Like that's also their space game, which hello, awesome. Like I will put that as an L. Like nine and nine and three. Like if you tell me they go, like nine and three, eight and four should be a realistic expectation for this Oklahoma State team this year. Take a split the losses between Kansas State and Kansas. Mark OU as a loss in the last Bedlam game. Lose at Orlando that stinks. It's back to back losses. Like now you're looking at nine and three. Could they lose another game in there? Absolutely. But like eight and four. Eight and four should eight and four. That's right. Eight and four should be the four. And it's not because I'm like overly optimistic and biased and have things with the orange and glasses. It's just like, like unless they're as bad as they were in the back half of last season, 
it ain't going to be, and it won't be because of injuries. It's just because this team is bad. Like six wins is a bad year. And we need to finally start having conversations about Gundy. Yeah. I mean, given all of the off the field stuff that's happened with Gundy recently and then, you know, the way that last season ended, I'm honestly a little bit surprised that there weren't more conversations kind of coming into this year, but 20, you have no idea <laughs> how much goodwill 2021 bought him. Oh gosh. Good point. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like 2021 and that run to the big total title game. And they were so beat up by the time that got to that game that they couldn't get the win. And then they go and beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl and that massive comeback victory. Like, it was another 11 win season, no, 12 win season. Like, you went 12 and 2. That season bought him so much goodwill, more than it should have, because Jim Knowles deserves way more credit for that season and the players on that roster do than Mike Gundy. But it bought him a lot of goodwill. Last year burned through a bit of it. And the offseason burned through a bit of it. It'll be very if interesting. If he has a bad see, year this year, yeah, if I'm just, I'm like, uh, uh, six and six, seven and five is an inexcusable year because I have a hard time, like, I have a hard time saying, like, these are five games they should lose, they will lose. I will pick three. I will say four just yeah. because of Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and UCF. Right. But Kansas and Kansas State are both at home. OU's at home. If you lose three home games? Oh, yeah. No, no, I understand. Well, especially since if they did have a fifth loss, the most likely loss is probably that BYU game at the end of the year. And so that would well, be... you on the road and play that, like crap against Houston. And, well, yeah, Houston fair. Right. Either one of those are probably e- equally as bad. Like losing at home to BYU to end the season or losing on the road at Houston when, you know, there's a very good chance Holgerson might be dealing with his own issues and that might be gone by that point because... He's already on the hot seat, like from what I've understand from Houston. Like, there's a lot of people that are not happy with Hol- with Holgerson. Uh, so. I he probably gets a reprieve coming to the Big Twelve. Like, unless they go zero and twelve, like he's probably okay. But it's he, also he'll one of get those... he'll get two years in the Big Twelve. That's fair. He, uh, uh, but regardless, hot seat, the, a... hot seat from the standpoint of like if it's a if it's a the expectation is probably not going to be a great year. If they have a bad year, right. Next year is a hot seat season. That's fair. All right. So I guess let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, specifically want to talk about this this Kansas game. Um, what is it that scares you the most about what Kansas is bringing to Stillwater on the 14th? So um, I'm high on Kansas. We've already done our offensive line rankings and our wide receiver rankings. Yes, I was, I was not. Hired. I was not very happy with those offensive line rankings, by the way. But that's okay. I'm sorry. I yours, yours were good, fourth? but the other two. <laughs> I understand why. Here's the deal. Um, I think I gave Kansas's offensive line more credit for Jalen Daniels and for scheme than the other two guests in Ian and Max did. Fair. Because if you grade it, if you put that on offensive line on a quarterback who's not as mobile as Jalen Daniels is. It's a fine offensive line. I give them more credit. It's kind of the same way, like you could give Texas Tech credit the past few seasons for their offensive line because the scheme was you got the ball out so fast that the offensive line didn't have to do much, right? So oh, they got a really good offensive line. Like they have a good off, a fine offensive line. It's not that great. They've just schemed around it. Kansas does a good job of scheming, not necessarily around their offensive line, but in such a way that it benefits the offensive line. 
Again, it's not a shot at the offensive line. I think it's a good offensive line. When you give it this, when you give it the credit of the scheme and the quarterback, it looks even better. So I think Kansas has a good offensive line. I'm a little bit higher on them, but that's because of scheme and and the best Jay Daniels in college football. And as I said about the wide receiving, I love the starters. I love the starters. I think it's a, I think it's none of them is going to be first team all big 12. But if you told me any of them was second team, it wouldn't shock because I think they all have, I think as a unit, it's a very strong unit. There's I like seven no guys that are going to see significant playing time this year. That's how ridiculous you got, it is. See, you, like from the outside, like you've got good starters behind them. Wait, I'm no, not, okay, wait. I'm no, not no, you're right, convinced. You're right. Like, like I would not say that there's anything. No, I, well, like I would not say that all of those guys would get significant playing time on other teams, but I think they all bring something to the way that this scheme works and the way that Jalen Daniels can actually, like, it's it's another instance of they are much better for this system than they probably would be in an independent evaluation. The, the starting wide receivers for Kansas, to me, are all, like, wide receiver twos, but it's a bunch of really good wide receiver twos, and that's a very strong unit as a whole. There's not one, like, standout, but I would take that over, like, Iowa State situation of like we got Jalen Noel and nothing else, nothing else. But right, behind yeah, no, those... no, you're right. It's like it's like there's there's probably three guys that you could throw out on any particular play and have feel good about what they can do. There's all also one guy that you could throw out there that could be the wild card that nobody is ready for, and he can have a huge play because you know they're so focused on the other guys. I think, and I think that's the way that Kansas offense works. You know, th- there were. I think there was only one game where Jalen Daniels did not have at least nine different receivers um, for all of his passes. Like, that's how much they spread the ball around. That's how much they just go all over the place. And I do think it makes some of the wide receivers look a little bit better than they probably are. It also, I think, probably hurts some of the top-tier wide receivers, you know, guys like Luke Grimm or uh, Lawrence Arnold, because they don't get as many touches as you would expect the top receivers in your in your system to get. And I think that's the part that makes Kansas so difficult to deal with is because you can know what they like to run, but you don't know which of the 15 different things that they could run out of this look they're actually going to go with because you have guys on the field that could do so many different things. And then I like Fairchild and I think, and Casey. So you've got two, I think, solid tight ends that you should feel good about. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Fairchild was third tight end, third all Big Twelve by Athlon, third team Big Athlon, uh, second team twenty twenty two Big Twelve, and third team preseason by Steele. So like Fairchild's a solid tight end. So you like the the the, the foursome of Arnold, Grimm, Skinner, and Fairchild. I feel very good about. It. It's just behind that I don't. Know yeah, anything. that's fair. Um, I I think this will be a and I and I said this in a couple places. I don't see Kansas making the same size jump from year two to three that they made from one to two. I think they've made a lot of, I think they've continued to improve, but I think year one to two is a massive jump, but that's because they made massive, great moves on the roster and kept building this thing. Now, um, I think the defense will be better. Um, I think if you keep Daniels healthy, all season, they will be better. If you told me Kansas went five and seven, but was a better team because they didn't lose multiple games by multiple scores, it wouldn't shock me. If you told me Kansas went nine and three this season because they won a bunch of one score games, that wouldn't shock me either. 
I think the biggest thing for Kansas this season is like they could be better and have the same or slightly worse record. Oh yeah, yeah, and and, and we've and talked I, about that so, over on the rock, oh, you know, over here on the podcast multiple times. I think, um, you know, with the different people that we have had on here, and I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like as the rest of the, you're not getting better in an in, in a vacuum. So as other teams get better, as you have to face other teams in different situations, it's possible that the you know black and white you know one or zero win loss is you know different than what you would look at the overall season in terms of how good they are compared to what they were last year. So well, but, like, you think about it this way, they had to have I mean the Iowa State game that broke their way. You had to have an Oklahoma State team that was completely beaten to a pulp by the time you played them. Um, I think their schedule this year is more difficult. Like we did, when we had Kelly on, they had the sixth most difficult schedule in the Big Twelve. Illinois this year is a more difficult non-conference opponent than Duke was last year. That's fair. Like I, I like part of getting six wins last year was because they went three and three in a conference. They started five and zero. Oh. You get that Iowa State game that was that was crazy. Like I think this year's schedule is more difficult for Kansas. Um, I still think they're scary. Like this is you can't sleep on Kansas anymore. Oh yeah, definitely. You cannot. Not. And that's my whole thing of like they get Missouri State and Nevada and at Nevada, okay, you should win those. Illinois. I like you, prob- I, you probably I might win that pick one that as home. a loss. Maybe. Like, like you probably Illinois win defense. that one, but it's close enough to a coin flip that you could go either way. It's Illinois yeah. defense versus Kansas' offense, and Illinois defense is really good. Um you get BYU at home to open good twelve play. I would it's two teams with really good offense. I think Kansas' defense might be a bit better. Um at Texas, UCF at home, at OSU, week off, OSU or OU at Iowa State, and then Texas Tech, Kansas State. Like I, I see you're underrating the meme potential of a Kansas win at Texas. If Kansas beats if they Texas, beat Texas in Austin oh again, gosh. I'm not willing Stark, to pick that. Let's just put it that Stark way. Stark will not. Stark, that will be last. Stark's last time in DKR. Yeah, that's probably fair. He will not be allowed. And back I will in put the it this way: I am not willing to, you know, go for the memes and say that they're going to do it again. I like, I could envision a scenario where it might happen, but there's a lot of things that have to happen wrong for Texas, and a lot of things that have to go really right for Kansas. So I'm not going to say it couldn't happen, but like, I'm nowhere near I, as confident uh, that they're going to be even competitive in that game as I was two years ago. Like, here's the deal. One of the things for Kansas was while is we're starting five and zero, right? Right. That's not going to happen this year. Like it's going to be more. I think it's going to be a more it'll of a slide to get to. It'll, there. It'll, it'll be five and one instead. Like if I look at the schedule realistically for Kansas, like three and four, the first seven before the week off. Like if I, uh, like three and four or four and three, like that's that's probably a realistic expectation with Illinois, at Texas, at OSU, and UCF. Like those are four tough games. You should, I think they should beat BYU, Nevada, and Missouri State. Um, and then it's those other four where can you get one? The back half at Iowa State, how bad are they at, in November? Um, is Texas Tech the darling? Everyone thinks they are. Kansas State should still be good at Cincinnati in the season and a Cincinnati team we still just don't know anything about. Like, can I see Kansas getting back to six wins in a bowl game? Yeah. The biggest thing to me is, like, Kansas got six wins. They still had multiple losses last year by multiple by by double digits. If they go five and seven, but 
five of those seven losses are like one score, missed field goal, like really, really close, frustrating stuff. Like it's going to suck for Kansas fans, but that still shows a sign of progress. And I think, I think anything between five and seven and eight and four wouldn't shock me in Kansas. But you just said nine and three, you would not be shocked. No, <laughs> no, it's Man, funny because I put 12. my best. If case Kansas in- went nine and three and won the tiebreaker to get the Big Twelve title game, it wouldn't shock me because that's how no, the that's fair. Big 12 that's is completely work. fair. And you it's know what? Be Texas versus one of four teams that finished nine and three, and the one that wins the tiebreaker is going to be in Arlington against them. Okay. I'm, I'm, we'll like, lock it in. Like I'm not kidding. <laughs> like if if you told me it's ten and two Texas versus. Nine and three, one of, one of Texas Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, it would not shock me. And the least to see that insanity happen. And everyone can you imagine else is somehow all, six and six. Can you imagine Except if all for West five Virginia, of those, who's four and eight. But can, can you imagine if all five of those were nine and three, like tied at, I mean, it would be absolutely. Like it's, it's not going to happen, but like it, it the it would make the most sense in the world for the the for this year to have a four way tie for would be second place. It would be the perfect ending to the this era of the Big Twelve with with Oklahoma. But, and but like you think that's the perfect end of the same era? Like that's what every that's what it's going to be like. <laughs> oh oh right no I mean that's what's going to be moving forward for sure. But you know to, to, to make to, 11, to make one Texas team versus. Nine and three team who won tiebreaker because that's what happened last year was between Kansas State and Texas and Kansas State won the tiebreaker. Yeah, but no, to make Texas and Oklahoma live through that insanity for their final year in the Big Twelve, I think would be absolutely perfect. So, all right, well, I think that's going to do it. Philip, thank you so much for joining me. For those who want to get your work online, where's the best place to find all the stuff that you do? I like all of the Big Twelve. I'm very online. Uh, Ten Twelve Network on Twitter at T E N the number twelve the word network. Ten Twelve Pod on the gram. Yeah, I'm on Threads. Also on YouTube at Ten Twelve Network. Ten Twelve Podcast. I don't even what the YouTube. It's too many things to keep track of. There I understand too that many entirely. things to keep track of. I'm literally sitting here Google it. Like the podcast is on everything. It's Ten Twelve Podcast. It's yep. Ten Twelve Podcast on YouTube. And of course, you can find the Ten Twelve. Here, 1012network.com, T-E-N, number 12, the word network.com. Do that. And get Try, all of our great Every shows. show on the network. Next week, make sure you're following us on Twitter, pay attention to the show. I don't know when this is coming out. I'm just going to say out the Monday. week of Monday. Okay, great. So. Then this week, yeah, we've got a lot of week. announcements. We've got a lot of new. We've got a lot of things this week. This is our big, this is our, like, big announcement week before the season starts. Got to have lots, one every year, to be excited so. about. Yeah. Got to get ready. Got to get excited. Exactly. Got to get the people going. Just like we're going to have realignment news every single year now moving forward. No. that's the way it works. No. <laughs> no more. I am so sick and tired of realignment. I, I don't care if it does good numbers. I don't care. I am, don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. That's fair. Oh. All right. Four new teams to learn and now four new new teams to learn. Right. I don't yeah, exactly. know how to do all of that. It's the old new and the new new. So, all right. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Philip, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts. There's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, no longer Stitcher because that doesn't exist anymore. But there's tons of podcast apps that are out there that you can find us on. Um, you can find links to all of the shows here on the 1012 Podcast Network, again, by going to 1012network.com. Um, we are on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. 
You can also email me at rockchalkpodcast at, g- at gmail.com if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that. We do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So please, please reach out if there's anything that you would like us to try to do. Um, but I am uh, completely looking forward to the rest of these previews and getting the season starting. Um, that will be here before you know it. So, Philip, again, thank you for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.